Welcome, everyone. We are about to begin. Bezaz Hashem, Shalom Bayer, Shear number 319. Uh, this year, and probably the next year, is not just uh, something that will be tremendously helpful for Shalom Bayes, and it definitely will, but it's a, a etza regarding all of life. And this is something that uh, Zalek Pliskin talks about in his book of marriage, about determining your states of mind. To be able to um, choose the state of mind you are in, which your whole quality of your life overall, your emotional state, your mental state is dependent upon this. And it certainly affects marriages in the most profound way. Because as he says, you know, the happy marriage is when both a husband and wife are consistently putting each other in these good states by the words that they say, by the actions that they do. That even when there is stress in life and uh, sometimes distressful stuff happens, but with the way you train yourself to talk to each other puts your both of you in a more better frame of mind, causing you to think more clearly, to be more creative, to be more pleasant, to be more motivated. And if you do this chesed for each other when you're experiencing stress, and again, you know, you do it obviously because you want to help your spouse out, but it's helping yourself as well. And um, it's very, very important to learn these skills, and he talks about how to go about doing it. Uh, there's unresourceful states, which is sadness, frustration, anger, rage, hate, anxiety, loneliness, goes through a whole list. And when you picture yourself making a choice to Put yourself in positive states, listening to music that you enjoy, working on looking at beautiful scenery of environments of that, like gardens and things that you see that would cause you to be enhanced and to enjoy your, and feel relaxed. Know when you listen to music, which music distresses you and causes you a uh, a certain tension, and which which music relaxes you and puts you in an up, uplifting mood, and so on and so forth. Very often, you know, sometimes we're put into a matzav where we don't have a choice, we're in a certain matzav that's stressful, but more often than not, in life, we choose how to put our state of mind the way we want to put it, and put ourselves in a matzav the way we want to put it, in the right framework. And that is a very, very important thing to learn, that skill, and that's something we're going to talk about today. And whatever state you are in at the present moment will affect the people you interact with, especially your own husband and your own wife. That's why it's so important. The self-care, that's a healthy aspect of self-care, despite the fact that it may seem selfish in a, you know, on a surface level, it really isn't. For example... In order to get the adequate sleep that you need to have, or to eat healthy foods and watch your health and exercise more, and also gravitating towards listening to good news. You know, some people sometimes you listen to people listen to the radio and they hear, I don't know, politics or things like that that just gets them aggravated or reads uh, unpleasant books. Now, sometimes you need to know information, but to go you know, pay a lot of attention to things that are negative affects your, your state of mind. And this self-care 
of keeping yourself in a correct frame of state of mind tremendously impacts in a healthy way your marriage and your connection to your husband and your wife. And the thing is, is what we often use, we don't use the word of choosing a state of mind. We're used to using the word of being in a mood. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a bad mood. I'm in a negative mood. And sometimes it's true when you have that feeling that comes across a big feeling of being in a bad mood or being upset about something. It feels like you don't have the ability or you don't have the bechira to pull out of it. But in reality, you do. You see sometimes, even if you're, let's say, had a down or a hard day, and you come home and then you turn on and listen to your favorite song. And while you, like you say, you're ready for, you know, to eat and you're preparing your supper or whatever it is, and you start to eat and there's music, pleasant music in the background, and your shift, your mind shifts. And this is a choice. You're making a choice, despite the stress that you experienced that day, that you're going to put yourself in a mood that is more productive, that is more healthy. And people obsess sometimes by focusing too much on the states they don't want versus on the states that they want to be. Um, so people, for example, think to themselves, I don't want to be in this bad state that I'm in. You have to shift that sort of and say, what state do I want to be in and focus on that? This goes with the premise of what the Masil Shisharim says, and it cannot be underemphasized in Perak Zion and Perak Chav Gimel that talks about very much how your external behaviors affect your internal feelings, that when you express enthusiasm and you smile and you make those emotions, even though you're feeling, you're not feeling that way inside, it'll eventually, sometimes pretty much quickly, and sometimes over time, will give you a very big positive feeling in yourself. That is why very important, it's, it's very important then when someone is, knows they need to exercise or take a walk for 15 minutes and they're just wiped and they're not up to it and they're not in the best of moods and they just want to hibernate and just what they have to sort of do is push themselves in the beginning and start that walk. The first three minutes is hard, very hard. But once you do it and you do it again and again, then you get to enjoy it and it becomes relaxing and you see how your emotional um, you know, feelings change and your, your state of mind becomes more and more positive. Sometimes you need to recall, to remember a time in the past when you were in a certain state that you wish to be now, when you were in a um, happy mode, when you were in a better place, and you go back, your brain goes back to that better place and say, I want to be there. Um, Whether it was, you know, sometimes, let's say, even it could be a regular weekday tefillah, you know, let's just giving an example, and you have a little time, you're just about to start a regular mincha, ashray, and you project in your ha- in your brain, and you think for a minute. Just think where how you hislavas you had by Nila, or 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 Purim by the Rosh Hashiva's house, or whatever it is. Or and and then your mincha, even though it's a, a, a regular daily mincha, okay, it won't feel mamish like in Kippur. We're not on the Madrega, but you'll have a certain uplifting feeling by just thinking about those things. Sometimes you have to be mitzayered, use your imagination, seer. A formation of what a future state of mind can be. Also, what helps is your tone of voice. You know, when you speak in a more simchatic, energetic way, you'll start feeling that way. So all of these aspects help you put yourself better 
in, in a better state of mind. And when you want to, for example, in Shalom Bayis, in marriage, get a point across to your husband or to your wife, one of the most important things to remember is to express it in a way that will put your husband or wife in a more positive state. It seems like obvious, you know, it's, it's like common sense. But very often, husbands and wives speak to them, to each other, in a way that puts them in an unresourceful state because they're irritable and they're upset about something or it's tense. Now, you need to make a point anyway. So why make a point that will put your husband or wife in a negative state? There's no point in speaking then, unless it's an issue of pikuach nefesh or something that has to happen immediately. Wait, wait until you think it through and you're able to speak in a manner that will help your husband or wife achieve that state. And couples could practice this. And as they practice this and learn how to discuss issues in a more calm way, they learn how to be more calm and relaxed even as they are having some difficulties to learn how to be centered, to learn how to be balanced, and to take a deep breath and remain calm and work on talking to each other in those more positive states. I want to mention a few anecdotes that Roselic Pliskin brings in his book about these states and how to reframe them that I think would be very, very important. You know, these examples are very, very practical, probably based on a lot of experience. So even if you yourself don't have this exact scenario, you have the creativity and the ability to take some of these scenarios and know how to apply it in your own personal situation between your own hu- uh, husband and your own wife and how to go about to make things better. So one anecdote he says like this, the wife is talking, says, my husband often misconstrues my concern for his welfare and self-safety as my not believing in him. Um, When he is tired, I don't want him to drive. I believe he is a good driver, but he is human, and without enough sleep, he may fall asleep at the wheel. By the way, this this scenario, it's clear, is quite a common thing. You know, and when my husband... Uh, I tell my husband to take a coat. He sometimes responds angrily. You're treating me like a little boy. I don't need anyone to tell me to wear a coat. When I suggest that he be careful about taking a financial risk, he tells me he knows more about business than I do. You should trust my judgment, he says in an insulting voice, insulted voice. So the wife said that she used to be hurt when he said things like this. So either I remain quiet or I would argue with him and we, we would get into nasty quarrels and nasty arguments. But then I gave it a lot of thought and came to the realization that I needed to speak to him in a way that expresses my concern, but without sounding like I was lecturing him or treating him like a baby. And I began to preface my comments with, you're the most important world, the world, person in the world to me. I care about your health. I care about your safety. Please realize that my concern is coming from a feeling of love and caring. Even if you think I'm wrong, perhaps you can humor me and help me become more calmer. Um, This introduction put my husband in a good state and made a major difference in the way he accepted my comments. So driving, you know, he's driving uh, like 80, 85 miles an hour, you could say, you know, you know, just for my sake, please, this this, uh, it's getting me nervous. Could you please slow down for me in a calm way, in a way he doesn't feel threatened. But this is a common, common thing. That husbands need to understand a lot when the wife 
sometimes may sound like she's treating you like a child. Please put on the coat. You're going to catch a cold. She's saying it out of a concern and out of a love. And even if the tone of voice is not perfect the way you wanted it to and with some annoyance, but that underlying, that really is the key there. And of course, if a wife could learn how to say it in a more kind way, but he needs to take it in a kind way of what it was really meant to be, that he really, she really, her main concern is his health and his safety. And it may not be a big deal to you whether, you know, a coat won't, you know, won't make or break anything, but for your wife, it's, it's important to her. And therefore, you know, you respond in kind with a special kindness. Here's another example. It's a touchy subject with, with weight loss type of situations. So here also it's the wife talking. And my wife, is, my husband is a very health conscious person. He eats brown rice and whole wheat bread and he exercises regularly. And he wants me to do the same, but I don't enjoy it. When I was, when I was expecting our first child, his agenda was to reform my eating habits and to get me to exercise regularly. And it picked up in intensity. He gave me daily lectures on the importance of exercising and he painted a bleak picture on the damage caused by the wrong foods and other healthy habits. I couldn't stand these lectures and was not at all motivated to follow through on his recommendations. And my husband's elderly uncle heard him telling me to imagine a 40-year-old person in a wheelchair, premature and feeble, as if this picture would motivate me to change my lifestyle and eating habits to prevent this from happening. And my uncle's husband said to him, it's obvious your approach isn't working, so save your words. Your wife agrees in principle that what you're asking her to do is in her best interest, but it would be better for her and for your future child if you would talk in ways that would put her in a positive state. And the uncle suggest, suggested that, the, uh, that, that my husband asked me, what can I do to motivate you to exercise? Or what is it about exercise that prevents you from doing it? And hearing these questions, I thought the matter over, I realized that I, find I found exercising totally boring. I lacked the self-discipline to do things that I didn't like to do. So our uncle knew I appreciated my husband's sense of humor. So instead of lecturing your wife, make her laugh, he told her husband, my husband. My husband then asked me, if I can make you laugh when you ride the exercise bike, will you do it? And I agreed. But regardless of whether or not I will actually follow through, my husband consented on stopping to lecture me. And deep down, I feel that when the lectures stop, my motivation to exercise and to eat healthier will increase. So this is a touchy subject sometimes, because sometimes um, one spouse needs to tell the other spouse if they're really, um, you know, excessively eating in a non-healthy way, you know, so it has to be brought up. But, you know, to overdo it or to say it in an insensitive way is counterproductive. So the right balance of caring and understanding and not being, you know, um, overbearing, but at the same time expressing things with warmth and concern um, is, is a balancing act, but it is worthwhile to pursue and to develop to get to that point where you could do that. Now, there's an Isser of Einas Devarim, but of course, but besides the Etzim Isser of Einas Devarim, saying words that cause distress... It's also a practical aspect to it because when you're doing that, you're putting the, your, 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 the one you're saying this to in a very negative state, just like you are when you're saying that negative thing, and it only ends up spiraling in a negative direction. While if you put yourself to do the reverse of that and to speak only in encouraging words, and even when you want to 
you know, you, you're upset about something, you want something corrected, but you word it in a way that's loving and caring and you mean it, that will ultimately get the person to want to become better on their own without the nagging and without the, the laundry list and without overpressuring. Here's another anecdote um, that he writes. He says, as soon as I came home, my wife would, as soon as I come home, my wife would bombard me with what went wrong that day. Yes, it was, I was open to hear what she had to say, but I needed 15 minutes of peace and quiet first in order to unwind. And when I said I can't listen now, she perceived this as a rejection and was hurt. And I didn't mean to push her off, but I felt overwhelmed. I needed time to relax, and then I was able to listen. When I told her this, she responded, but I wait with great anticipation for you to come home, and it is painful when you don't seem happy to see me after an entire day of being away. Now, I read somewhere that when your husband or wife walks in the door, give him or her time to relax before you speak about serious matters. Not everyone needs quiet time, but many people do. But being patient, by being patient, you will both gain. I showed this to my wife and she agreed. And I told her I understand that she needs and deserves a friendly greeting as soon as I come home. When I know that I will first have about 15 minutes to myself, I have the energy to greet her in a friendly manner. But without this, I feel that I need to protect myself and I shut down. When I kiss the mezuzah on the doorposts as I come into the house, I increase my energy knowing that the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu encompasses everything. This reminds me that the word Echad in the Torah can also allude to the oneness of a married couple. I will then have the energy to give my wife the enthusiastic greeting. And after I rest for a quarter of an hour, I'm there to help her or listen to her to what she wishes to share with me. So there was like a compromise there. He learned to give her a cheerful, warm greeting. But then the wife understood. She'll, he'll unwind for the 15, 20 minutes. And then, and then he'll, he'll be able to be himself. And then he'll be able to put in his full, full empathy. Uh, One last anecdote, when my wife doesn't get enough sleep, she tends to be irritable and cranky, and she snaps at me and at the children. As soon as she calms down, however, she asks me to express my positive feelings for her. And I remember the first time this happened after we were married, she had always been a good-natured when we met on dates and while we were engaged, and everyone in my family asked about her agree that she was one of the most cheerful and most pleasant people you ever met. So it came with a shock to me that to see her so irritable. But the truth is, is that when I'm yelled at, I don't really feel very positive. I'm certain that other people feel the same way when someone yells at them. So I decided to force myself to express positive feelings anyway. I realized that my wife loses her temper, but she needs my assurance that I still love her. She is wonderful when she is calm, so I focus on how she is when she's in a regular state. The effort makes me... Makes it, it takes me is well worth it. The more intense my positive expressions at such times are, the more secure my wife feels, and this decreases her irritability. Since we have repeated this pattern many times, she understands her crankiness as a message saying that she's tired and in a vulnerable state and needs my reinsurance. Now I've begun to view her irritability in this way, and I'm able to feel good that I can meet her emotional needs. Very, very important anecdote about not taking personal irritability. And overall in this year, to get each other in a more positive state of mind. Hatzlocha and bracha.